Hello, everyone. It is Jay, better known as Take From WhiskeyRaiders.com. I have a bottle of whiskey in front of me. I have John here with me as well, and that must mean it is time for another episode of the Whiskey Raiders podcast. This one is going to be uh, kind of fun. We've got a, you know, we've we've done some deeper, hard-hitting episodes, some fireside chats, a little industry insight in previous weeks. Tonight, we are simply drinking new whiskey. I think that that's kind of a fun episode style. It's new to us. It's new to you. We're tasting it. And, you know, really, this is a goal to help you figure out whether you should be out chasing this at your stores, whether it's a safe and easy pass. So I've got something kind of crazy and wild. I know John has whiskey that you guys are going to be super into. I'm envious. I don't have this in front of me myself. But before we get into it, how are you doing, John? I'm doing quite well, man. I'm excited about going through a couple different things tonight. I think it's fun when we get to taste different things and talk about them as we go. I think that it gives us good variety, but it also, like, I, I think sometimes we kind of, whether or not it's the listener or us, somebody, dear listener, maybe it's you, gets <laughs> caught up in the, well, John thought this one was really good, and Jay thought this one was medium good. Like, where's the Goldilocks zone here? You know what I mean? Like, when we both taste the same thing, it's good, I think, where we get to share and compare notes, but sometimes it's also fun to each try something different and just kind of chew on it a little bit and see what kind of comes out of the episode. So for me, already all good and I'm already drinking. I, I love it. You are on brand as always. I don't know what to think about the Goldilocks zone, but I think you're right. You know, a, a lot of times you and I talk about the same whiskey and I love it because a lot of our listeners are like, oh man, like uh, my palate and Jay's palate are super close or my palate and John's palate are super close. And this is kind of an opportunity for me to get your thoughts before I try something. You know, mine is on the way as far as your bottle is concerned. I have one of these on the way to you. So it's kind of a a crisscross situation. But at the same time, we both, you know, John and I receive a good deal of whiskey in the mail. And it's certainly a privilege. It's an honor. It's really cool. We receive a lot of bad things. We coined it uh, Risky Whiskey in an earlier episode. But honestly... You know, for every every time that happens, there's always an opportunity that something really cool shows up as well. And so this is an opportunity for John to go to his desk and be like, ah, you know, this is the thing I'm pumped about. Let's see how it is. I have done the same. And this is a cool format. So I'll start. I have Dancing Goat Distilleries. Um, this is kind of their new label. It's called Presents Sourced Whiskey. Before, they weren't always super clear that they were using MGP Sourced Whiskey. So this is very clear that it's Dancing Goat Presents Sourced Whiskey. This is their limited release number two, Iwood Rye for You. It is a seven-year rye whiskey that is finished in port wine casks. And to me, this kind of sounded like the Midwest version of, you know, High West Midwinter Night Dram. And it's in front of me. It's definitely got some wine into it. So I'm pumped about this one. Uh, what, are you, what are you drinking, John? Uh, before I touch on that, I like how you went with Midwest Midwinter Night Dram. I think that ties... I almost said Midwestern's night dram. <laughs> that ties in nicely, man. It worked out good. <laughs> you did it just right. A couple of my brain cells said yeehaw, and I was like, no, we can't do that. Again. No, no, no. That's, that's, going, that's going just a bit too far. There's a lawsuit on that somewhere. <laughs> so what I've got here tonight is the latest in the wood finishing series, the latest and final in the Maker's Mock wood finishing series. For 2023, this is called BEP, which is to the Whiskey Nerds listening already know, standing for barrel entry proof, which is, I guess, to celebrate the Maker's Mark 110 barrel entry proof, which like Maker's Mark has basically changed fuck all ever. So I think it's cool to celebrate it, but I I just don't know where to land on this one. Um, We speculated a ton when Denny Potter and Jane Bowie left. So one of the things I was the most interested to find out 
is sitting in front of me in a glass here. And what is going to happen to the wood finishing series once Jane is no longer heading this thing up? And we, you know, we sat down and talked about her with, uh, geez, I think that was the 22 really, it might've been the FAE releases. I think it was FAE. Yeah. Uh, and we went through those with Jane and kind of talked about the process and you guys, you can catch that episode on weekly whiskey on YouTube, but to make this, uh, really kind of come around the corner, I'm thinking this is sort of a either going to be a very good finale to the series or something else that I don't even want to voice yet because I haven't tried it. Okay, I've tried it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be like the understudy trips and falls, right? Like, oh, God, right. you know, and I don't know that Maker's Mark really expected Jane to depart. And they were kind of like, you know, it's when you have a group project in school. And then, like, the guy who's running it calls out sick on presentation day. And you're like, mm. of course we have ideas. Like, we have done some work, too. And then yeah, no it's just deal. a bunch of, like, half-drawn portraits and, like, flowcharts that don't have any, like, descriptions of them. And hopefully this isn't it. But I did wonder if we would be staring down that kind of scenario, like, the moment we got the press release about it. Yeah, I've been very excited, but I've noticed the uh, the analytics on this post on my website has been very high. And it's, I don't even have the review up yet. I wanted to make sure that we got to talk about it here first before oh, I gosh. posted the review. So just the press release has been turning some numbers on the bourbonfinder.com. So I'm pretty excited to see what happens once this review and then everybody else's, you know, all the other great outlets that are reviewing whiskeys as well, like uh, whiskeyreaders.com, of course, is the one that I'm mentioning, folks. Yeah. The other things that you can find about this, I think when we stack these all up, it's going to be very fun to look at aggregate scores of the previous wood finishing series. I thought when the RC6 came out, the first one in the series, I thought it was one of the wilder things I had tried in a long time. It was very unique, very different. And I mean, to be blunt, it was polarizing. Like people, I think, either gravitated to it or were like, holy fuck, that's too weird. Mm-hmm. And from there, they sort of built in a more traditional sense. And they sort of did, then they started doing the two-part series of testing, like, okay, this is FAE1 and FAE2, which is like their fatty acid ester series. Like, you know, they had like different themes behind each profile that they did. This one being celebrating BEP, I feel like is, just to put a name on it, I feel like is a little bit of a swing and a miss on the naming. But I thought the wood finishing series is sort of about the wood finishing and not the barrel entry proof myself but again this yeah. just it's just like my opinion man so far i mean having not tasted it the most fun part of this for me has been just saying bep every time someone says oh the new makers and you go bep ah oh, god damn it you know, 22 peps later people are like oh, all right god damn the fuck it. Up. <laughs> people are rolling their eyes and saying oh god damn it every time yeah that, you know that's about it but uh, you know makers interesting trajectory i love that they embrace this because for so many years, they were the opposite of the spirit of innovation. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but Makers was like, hey, uh, we do one thing and we do it better than anyone else we think. And therefore, we are going to continue to do this one thing pretty much until, you know, uh, Samuels came along and said, well, I'm going to do the 46. And that kind of branched things out just enough, I think, to kind of instill this thought of like, well, we can protect the core and do that one thing we do great. But like, let's try a little bit on the side. And, and that jived well with the expansion of nerds getting into bourbon whiskey. And I don't say that in a bad way, but like nowadays people are interested in diversity. If they love your core product, they want to, core, you know, they want to try your other products. They want to try the new thing, the limited thing, the rare thing. They want to hunt it. They want to try it all. 
Uh, it's kind of a game of Pokemon, but it's cool because people get invested in brands. And if you only have, you know, a single product, <laughs> there's not a lot of places for an enthusiast to go. So I, I'm, I'm really curious about this one. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I've always kind of questioned or been curious about makers position in the market because they have traditionally and historically always said our whiskey gets bottled when it's ready. And when it's ready right. is when it's good. And when it is older than that, it is not good. So we don't <laughs> do that. We bottle it when it's perfect. And it's like, okay, I get the wax dip thing, but I don't get the paint yourself into a corner thing, which is what I feel like they've done for fucking generations. That said, they've made great whiskey for generations. And I, I like, I have no issue at all with maker's core product. Uh, again, like I've mentioned this before on some of our other stuff, maker's has it never chill filtered their whiskey. Like it is always just delivered to you the way that it should be in my opinion, which I love. Yep. And when they release the maker's one-on-one limited edition, which is the same exact fucking whiskey, just proofed at one-on-one. I was like, you know what? sure, I'm going to buy that for 40 bucks and I'm going to try it. And I was like, well, you know what? God damn it, I like it. So joke's on them for not doing this 10 fucking 15 years ago because... Oh man, it's they, so good. They would have been selling it like crazy. Then the cask strength, obviously lowering the price on that too. The SRP on cask strength is just, I mean, killer whiskey. I think 46 is fun and interesting. It's not something I buy a lot personally. Yeah. Uh, I've always like liked it, but in a, I'd rather have cask strength kind of way. Really, I feel like the one-on-one is kind of the best middle of the road, but at their proof-to-price ratio, I think the cask is the best. Um, the private selects for me, not always high, but everything kind of shifted in 2019 when they rolled out the RC6. And right in their press release, they say, like, that the Maker's Mark wood finishing series has been like an innovative wood finishing technique. And it's like, okay, because of the director of innovation or because of the brand's vision. Do these roads part or not? Right. And as I sip through this, I talk about it a little bit more. And like I get off of the soapbox here. I think we are going to come to the conclusion that we should all have more whiskey. More whiskeys? It, yeah, is, is a good place to go. I'm, you know, I'm curious what you think of this one. I'll get into my pour kind of here while you're tasting through that. But you know, the brand has done interesting things. We've seen Maker's Mark do more than they've ever done before, and I applaud them for that. And yeah, BEP, you know, the barrel entry proof kind of, I don't want to call it a cop-out, but I expected like a big finale of wood finishing. And what we got Agreed. is the bourbon just how we make it, which I I don't know. It, yeah. it is what it is. But I don't understand what the true finishing is here, but I guess it's cool that Maker's has always kept its barrel entry proof at 110. That's great. I, I do appreciate that. The whiskey nerd in me likes that. And I love the sense of propriety that they have to their own method. Um, now again, in just a few months from now, when they roll out an age-dated product that is <laughs> in the double digits of age, and people are like, now, wait a minute. I thought Maker's Mark was bottled when it was perfect. Why is this new, more expensive, older whiskey better? <laughs> that will be another episode, folks. Don't worry. That is coming. We are going to definitely go into that. But we, today, we will make it happen. <laughs> right. The past perfect release. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and like missing... Oh, Jesus. I, I can't even talk about Maker's Mark without going into some of these things. But like they <laughs> totally whiffed on the opportunity for the 10th anniversary of Maker's 46. They could have done a 10-year age-dated limited edition 
sold it for 150 bucks, and it would have sold as many bottles as they created. They could have oh, absolutely gosh. cleaned house and built 73 new fucking warehouses to store more whiskey for a little bit longer because people will drink it. But anyway, that's a, a whole different episode that we will most certainly be talking about here in a few months. I heard an interesting statistic because, so I just mentioned in a previous episode that I was down in Kentucky recently for the Derby. And what I, I, I heard the most interesting statistic from our tour guide, who was honestly the best because she was with a bunch of people who honestly, you know, my wife and I were like well behaved and everyone else was just animals. And it was nice. awesome. It was a great time. But they Love do animals. 3 million cases of the regular Maker's Mark bourbon, if I'm not mistaken. They do 150,000 cases of Maker's Mark 46, the next biggest product. Like, what a disparity. I bet they could do 150,000 cases of a 10-year limited edition, anniversary edition 46, and it would sell faster than the actual 46. A like, million what a fucking percent. Absolutely. Right, like, and this is why if you are a brand who is looking for a not at all anecdotally based market advice, John and I, you know, our emails are open. Call us. Yeah, very happy to help. And if you would like just a bit more evidence, you can look back to our YouTube series where we talked about the barreled. What was this? Uh, no, it wasn't barreled. It was... Uh, oh, God damn. I can't remember the name of it. But we anyway, yeah. we came in with a gold wrecking ball for the marketing team. Oh, and for I'm, barrel gold. Yeah, oh, it was barrel gold bourbon. Label. That's right. I was thinking it was... Yeah. Uh, anyway, we don't need to mention other things. But uh, yeah, uh, we most certainly came up with some absolutely delicious marketing. And we sold it on the spot. Um, in all transparency, we made like $84 million on that. We're just, we haven't decided to spend it yet. So we're just, you know, weighing out our options. Yeah, when we heard that Penelope was going to cost 105 we were out. But at 85 we were all in. True. It's very true. I'm a sucker <laughs> for 85 mil. Ah, 85 mil. It's just, it just rolls off the tongue. But 86 anyways, mil, whatever. Yeah, 86 is just too much, but 85, nailed it. All right, got yourself a deal. Uh, do you want to share tasting notes or should I do it? I feel like I'm, uh, well, I'm I mean, going to pull off a Band-Aid here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Why don't you, why don't you hit us? Actually, no. Let, let's let you think about that for a second. Okay. We, we got to, we can't be blowing, you know, can't keep it anticlimactic. I, I have in front of me the Dancing Goat Distillery. So this is a seven-year, and important to note, it's a whiskey distilled from a rye mash on the label. And what this means is that there's used cooperage in the mix. And I think that this is interesting because a lot of people immediately assume, oh no, used cooperage. It's like early times and therefore it's bad. But in my opinion, as whiskey gets older, the more tannin stacks up doesn't always make it better. So this to me, you know, tells me that these folks are aging whiskey kind of like Maker's Mark. Like, hey, we're going to age it just as we like it until we think it's ready. Whether it's going to be finished, we might get a little less because it's going to pull in tannin from these wines. Or, you know, if we want our whiskey to age for a really long time, we know it can take that time of aging without becoming over-oaked and bitter and just like exploding in evaporation. So I'm kind of excited about this. It's 55.2% ABV. It's finished in Petite Syrah Port Wine Casts. Mm. And it sounds like a, a Midwinter's Night Dram because it kind of is. Yeah, it does. It sounds nice. I wonder how... Uh, do, I don't want to actually know. I, I can't ask you that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was yeah. going to get into some nitty gritty details that I don't, I don't know if I want the details on just yet or not, to be honest with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait till you taste it. What I think is cool yeah. is that um, this year, if you lived in Utah, you got the chance to buy actual Midwinter's Night Dram for $125. And if you lived anywhere else in the country, I believe they jacked it up to 150 
139. Like it was steep. Let's talk Utah uh, for one more second, though. That was if you were able to hike it over to the distillery, correct? Oh, yes, yes. This yeah, was that not was... like, hey, uh, Joe, shit, the rag man who may or may not live in or around Utah, you can't just like pop into your local liquor store and grab this for that price. Right. This was, you could get it at the distillery in Utah for the lower price. You could get it everywhere else that it was sold in very limited quantities for a much larger price you know, 120, 150. What I think is cool about this goat is, you know, sometimes people do crazy experiments and they have crazy high price tags and you wonder like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to take the risk. Uh, this is $59.99. This is the same as Larceny Barrel Proof. Like $59, I can guarantee every single, you know, person listening to this has taken some weird risk that cost way more than $59. And that's I've what I think is cool about it. <laughs> I did it this week. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> So ultimately, we have a, a well-aged rye finished in port wine cask that's pretty inexpensive and nicely proofed. And that, to me, is just exciting because we don't see that. Uh, and it's distilled at MGP. So we know, you know, obviously there's a floor of quality there. It's at least going to be good. True. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up, too, because sometimes you get some of the, uh, let's just say, more opaque labeling that where you're not entirely sure what it is that's in the bottle. But if it tastes good, you're like usually willing to kind of overlook mm -hmm. some of the discrepancies there it's nice to know the provenance and everything definitely it makes it i don't know it just makes it easier for me to take a risk if i know all of the details okay. that to me is cool yeah that's fair i am excited to get my paws on some of this and try it out alongside we've seen a little bit more well, not even a little we've seen like quite a bit more wine finished stuff come along lately i feel like a lot of it's bourbon and it's still like frequently we are asked like, hey, I cannot get Midwinter Nice Ram. What do I get to replace it? Or like, is right. there something similar to it that I can get that's like either cheaper or more available? I mean, this year that uh, that particular bottle was 150 here in Maine. Like in Maine, we're like usually priced right about SRPs. Sometimes certain things, they float it up a little bit higher if they know they as in the liquor commission if they know that it's going to sell at a higher price sometimes they apply that little bit of juice to it but like the question keeps coming and the answers don't so i'm hoping that at some point there is something to sort of balance that out is this it don't know yet will i know soon probably will i tell you <laughs> if it is after i bought a case yeah it's cool and like to me, it's just kind of cool. The distillery is having fun with it. Like it's, they've got a sentence on the back in big letters that says, "Let's throw a little rye mash and those whiskey in those old port wine barrels and see if it's any good." You know, and clearly they think it's good because they bottled it. But to me, this just kind of shows like they don't take themselves too seriously. Uh, they think what they have is a cool product. They've priced it so that pretty much anyone who's buying whiskey can afford to give it a go. And to me, I don't know. That's just kind of cool. It stands out in a very crowded field of experiments with really high price tags. And honestly, it tastes delicious. Like it's got a big rice spice up front, big bold and jammy on the palate. It's not like super ethanol forward. It's not punchy or aggressive. Um, it's light on tannin, which I like because it lets some of that fruit come out. It lets some of that rice spice come out instead of just being big, bold and tannic. And the finish is just a big, like a blackberry jam, cracked pepper, ginger. Uh, it, it's really it's almost dangerously easy to drink because it's just like, it's delicious. It goes down easy. Nice finish. It's really good. Awesome. Uh, okay. 
I think I'm going to pick up the, uh, I'll take the talking stick here and yeah. I will use it to discuss the 2023 <laughs> lease from Maker's Mark titled BEP. Yep. And honestly, like I was very unsure what we were going to get our paws into as we have more than once discussed. Um, I feel like to be totally honest on the nose, it's fairly pedestrian. It's like kind of like a lighter version of Maker's 46. It's got like some vanilla going on. It's got some caramel in there. It's got a little bit of this additional toasty oak that almost has like, it's like the very proper and like the just barely, like if this were a Gordon Ramsay thing, he, he would probably <laughs> oh, this break this be good. down to if it were this color, it would be raw. If it were this color, it would be cooked. If it were this color, it would be fucked. This would be whatever color is just past raw to cooked. Like this is not youthful, but goddamn, is it on the brighter side? Like it is just barely. So I think that there's like a little bit of room to dance there. Not quite as dark of a profile as I would have thought maybe. And I don't know what they were shooting for with that. I mean, it is bright. It's lively. It's got like good layers of like buttery brown sugar and vanilla, but like it's just not as complex as I would have hoped. Again, I don't know what to hope for with BEP being the wood finishing series. Again, like I feel like it's kind of a mismatch to what has come before it. And and for all we know, Jane could have like been working on this. It could have been somebody picked up her homework that was one third done, two thirds done, and decided to erase her name and put their name on it retitle it and call it something else for all we know that's what's going on or they could have just like you said earlier kind of like had a they sort of phoned it in like let's just wrap this thing up we'll close up the series we'll celebrate some history because that's a big thing they do at makers all commendable stuff but like really for their like final like the closer of this series that has been like somewhat polarizing i feel like this will be mildly accepted all the way through this won't be polarizing. This will be like, if you like bourbon, you'll like this. It's it's tasty. It's it's bourbon right down the middle. That's fascinating to me because I feel like, and maybe this is just because I'm like in a lot of whiskey communities and like single barrel groups and stuff, but people talk about like, oh man, this barrel has a lower barrel entry proof. It's richer. It's darker. Right. It's got all these big fruits and, and like big tobacco and caramels and, and it's lower on ethanol, but it just feels like it has this higher viscosity and is fudgy and stuff. And it sounds like it's kind of orthogonal to the experience you're having. And I wondered if, if makers was going to leave like a lean into that kind of like predisposition or if they're just going to kind of see how it came out and bottle it. And it sounds like maybe we got the latter there. Yeah. I feel like if you took the lighter profile from both FAE and BRT and didn't then try to elevate some of those other flavors. Like some of them had like this nice sort of pecan wood, like even like charred marshmallow or like oh, yeah. richer cocoa notes. Like there were other things that kind of popped up in there. Um, I remember like butter pecan ice cream, like things that kind of came through nicely. It's just like, this is kind of missing some of those other, like, you know, like when you're watching the fireworks, like those other things that sort of happen that sort of explode and say, oh, holy shit, did you see that one sparkle? That was fucking cool. Oh, did you see right, that like, one? Like texture. Like, yeah. you know, just like a, a variety of things going on that all kind of take a, a bit, piece of your attention. Yeah, just a bit more. Again, 
it's fine whiskey. Like, and honestly, at the sixty nine ninety nine SRP, like, it's not a bad buy for what's going out there today. Just, I feel okay. like the the bar had been set higher than this. If that is a fair statement to make. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to trying my sample more now than ever, because you and I kind of go back and forth on these kind of things, like the big, the mouthfeel, tannin, and just kind of the roundness of profiles. But I think. What I'm really hearing is that once I get my sample, I'll try it. And then we should do an episode and go back through. Because I know between us, we have one of everything. And yeah. do like the Maker's Wood Finishing Olympics and see really, you know, we've tried them year by year. I know that our palettes have changed. My palettes have changed. Your palette has changed for sure. And like go back through definitively and be like, all right, this is the best finishing. And, and see if we can figure it out. And I'd be actually curious you know, some of those older expressions really stick out in my mind, but I wonder, uh, maybe even we blind them to see That's where this would yeah. fall in, that, in that, that lineup. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. It would be good to blind these and sort of split them all up into just rank them top to bottom and see where they right. land. And honestly, I don't think this would be at the bottom of the pile. It is still good bourbon. It still does taste nice, just like 46 does. Like It's just something I don't reach for a ton. So if you're a huge right. Makers 46 fan, maybe this is that lighter and brighter cousin that you've been looking for. Or maybe you're not looking for that. I, I don't fucking know. But like <laughs> for me, it like I when I think of this as the final release in the wood finishing series, I feel fucking gutted. I'm with you because I kind of I was afraid that Maker's Mark would put out so many fireworks for the final release that it would be we'd be like guys come on this is too much it's disjointed it's crazy it's wild like what the hell were you doing right um, you know I expected that they would throw all the kitchen sinks not just one of the kitchen sinks like every kitchen sink in Loretta just like right at this thing and and we got the opposite which and I don't know if that was a safe choice or the right choice or the wrong choice. But I have to admit that my suspicion fell with yours and that I thought we were going to get entirely too much. Yeah. <laughs> this final I, thought, one. I thought the same. I thought that we would get like a, like a little bit of a, uh, no, that's an impolite term. I thought we would just get like a real, like throw everything on the wall, see what sticks. And these four things all kind of stuck. So let's like cram them all. Like I thought it'd be like this right. amalgamation of like, this was kind of good and this was kind of good. Let's cram it together and hopefully it'll pass. It'll be all right. Like shit for all intents and purposes, they could have just rebottled Makers 46 and been like, oh yeah, this just seemed to stand out to us. And I feel like that would probably have passed all right. Like people would be like, yeah, it's fine. It's not bad. Do I think it's right. a good wood finishing series? I don't know, whatever. That's fine. They can go one way or the other with it. It's over and done now, and we don't have to continue to speculate about it, which kind of feels like the bandit has been pulled off, and I like that. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think that that's a good place to cut it as well. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing where these line up for us all now that we, you know, it also helps, and I appreciate that they said, like, this is the final chapter. They gave us the final countdown. Yes. We listened to it. We heard it. This is it. Some brands you just never know. But definitively, you and I can stack all these up. We'll do them blind. We'll make a hell of an episode out of it. Um, you know, I think that that's really cool. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah, this is good closure. And also, listeners from Utah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, poor Utahns. But guys, I mean, don't sleep on this dancing out. It's it's friggin' $59.99. It, to me, it doesn't have as much rye spice as Midwinter's Night Dram, but it also doesn't have that youthfulness that I really haven't enjoyed in the recent years. So 
you know, you're welcome as well. Uh, as well. And so I think that that's a, a punny good place to cut this episode for tonight, guys. If you are looking for more from John, you can find him at thebourbonfinder.com. He's on uh, on the web. He's on Instagram. He's got a lot of great content coming out. And he has probably even more makers coverage than I do, which is really saying something because I'm a huge fan of those cast strikes. And if you're looking for more from me, you can find me at whiskeyraiders.com. I'm Take, better known as Jay, as always. Check out our new Bottle of the Month Club. You can find that at whiskeyraiders.com. We would love to sip along with you in a future episode. And I think that that is all that she wrote. So glasses up. Love this port finished rye. I'm looking forward to trying the BEP. And we'll see you in a future episode, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.